Oh, we back for another one, right? <laughs> Bags are packed. Hey, Tommy, you ready? Let's go. We going in. Hey. It's the night before the cruising If I'm honest, I ain't sleeping But even if I could, I'd be dreaming About this weekend, all the fun we about to have As we taking this vacation Always be booked on our way to embarkation Cause we know it's in store Pockets and palm trees, tropical sea breeze And frozen daiquiris, oh please Thank you sir, yes I think I'll have another Please don't blow my cover, cause I'm passing on the muster Bring a lover, bring a friend, bring someone you just met It ain't snowing where we going And the good times never end Here's the five more years, drinking beers, running Pierce, thanks for giving us your ears through the laughter and the tears. But we just getting started out here. Give us a holler if you're looking, you can find us somewhere south of the Bahamas. Getting hotter as we go, cones and we united. So sound that horn, cause everybody's invited. Ladies and gentlemen, all aboard and welcome. This is the Thursday Conversation. That's right, we do this on Thursdays. Well, sometimes it's Thursdays. Listen, who am I kidding? You never know what's going to happen or where it's going to go when it comes to me, but that's the goal. Regular show Tuesday, conversation on Thursday. Today, we have a returning guest, a, a returning guest, I should say, popular demand. The guy killed it last time, Ryan Q. What's up, Ryan? How are you? Tommy, how's it going? Very, very well. And uh, like I said, last time we had a good chat. We uh, caught up and uh, we talked some general cruising stuff. We talked about cruising philosophy. You are a, uh, you know, just to recap, Ryan is out of New York City. He's a hardworking gentleman, uh, probably on the younger side of a lot of the audience members, but he uh, has a job that affords him the ability to go on uh, a good amount of cruises, and I'd say you take advantage of that. Uh, Would that be a correct assessment, Ryan? Of course. Yeah, I try to cruise whenever I can. Yeah, you know what? You know, we talk about cruising on this channel, and we talk about how, you know, a lot of people don't understand us and how it's just kind of... It's in our blood, you know, we're, we're people of the sea, and that's where uh, that's our bonding point. And Ryan is a pure living example of that out of New York City, so we're happy to have him. But Ryan, you recently went on a sailing, right? I think uh, on Norwegian, right? I did, yes. I, in, back in February now, I'm, I'm ready for my next one, but uh, <laughs> but back in February, I went on the uh, the getaway. It was an eight-day sailing. Uh, out of New York to uh, Bahamas and what was meant to be Bermuda, but we can talk about that. Okay, so this was uh, eight-day sailing? Eight-day sailing, yep. It was actually, uh, it it was scheduled perfectly because it left on a Saturday, returned on a Sunday, and it was over President's Day week, so it worked out for for my work uh, schedule. Gotcha. Okay. So I was on the breakaway recently and I was, you know, we did the vloggers cruise that, you know, most, most people who follow the show know that that's where, that's where I was. And, uh, I was, let's just call it not without complaint. And, you know, it's always a, a fickle thing because I think it's like a fine line between complaining and then also kind of just getting your observations out there for the purposes of, you know, cons- being a consumer advocate, you know, you, 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 again, standing by my ultimate creed of I have never had a bad cruise, but by comparison, you can't help but pit one cruise up against the other. Uh, I know that I had some issues with that last cruise, and you uh, are a big fan of the breakaway, and let's just get it out there, as am I, 
overall, whether it sounded like it or not in my uh, summation of that cruise, I'm a big fan of the breakaway too. But what were you thinking when you were hearing some of the, I guess, the disappointing stuff that I was saying about about the breakaway? It, it wasn't only you. And honestly, I was surprised uh, by it because I had just been on the breakaway in November. Um, I know before you, you were sailing, I had sent you a list of crew members and said, hey, Tommy, check uh, – uh, be on the lookout for these guys, and and they'll treat you well. But uh, when I started to see all of the content come uh, out from the vloggers' extravaganza, which was naturally what was going to happen when you put a thousand uh, ish, you know, passengers on board. Uh, Let's uh, just say it right. Say, say it right. Loudmouths, <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And and so some of the content, it wasn't just, just you. I was listening to, to other content creators uh, from that week, during the week, as well as afterwards. But um, I was surprised by some of it. Uh, so I was eager to get on the getaway. I hadn't been on a NCL cruise between November and, and this past month. So I wanted to see and experience it firsthand on another ship within the NCL fleet to really see what was happening um you know, personally. And I think looking back, I, I think some things I, I may not agree with or, ha- or have recommendations on how to avoid in the future and other things that I was, I was surprised about. And I, we can talk about that, but I, I did see um, firsthand last month, uh, some of the, the complaints uh, or, or, or maybe things that we weren't as excited about, um, for right. the breakaway specifically, but also for NCL. Yeah. Uh, well, I was surprised too. So. The thing is, it's like, a, again, same thing with my previous uh, employment. It's, I look, you look at it as a wheel. Oh, the spokes on the wheel, every spoke is important as the other one. You know, if you have one spoke go down, you know, you can battle it. You could battle through that with the rest of the spokes. But when multiple spokes start, they basically it's synergy. They all support each other. So like my point is, is that, you know, Norwegian, the product as a whole, the breakaway, the getaway, all these ships, they are good pieces of hardware. The foundation on which Norwegian is built is a strong, solid, good foundation. But when, you know, you start you start pulling things away and those spokes or those dominoes start to topple, things that are kind of like either average or slightly above average, the perception goes to, oh, you know what? And you know what? This isn't even that good either anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like one thing supports each other after another. So that's kind of like what we started falling in line with. But you always have a good attitude about cruising in your attitude going into any of these cruises makes sense because, you know, at any time, if you want to... If you want to have a bad time, you can have a bad time if you want to. But if you want to have a good time, uh, you can have a good time. It sounds like you pretty much always choose to have a good time, right? Of course, yeah. And I mean, I can I can see where your point about the sort of domino effect, right? Where you have maybe a an off-putting start or a bad first impression, and then uh, it's how you kind of respond to that, right? Do you want to still make the eight days a great time, seven days a great time, or do you want to start looking for things that will also substantiate your first impression? And I think it's just kind of how you respond or how you want to spend your vacation. I can, I, and I saw it in February, a lot of guests uh, had a lot some complaints in the beginning and then they were ultra sensitive to some of the other complaints that they may have overlooked uh if they didn't get you know quite frankly pissed off in the beginning 
that, that was that was well put. Absolutely. So, so you you decided to go on this sailing. This is Norwegian getaway. Can you again? If this could be a short answer, but just off the rip, is there a lot? Is there is there anything you could point your finger on that is significantly different between the getaway and the breakaway? Yeah, I'm not good at short answers, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, and I don't want you to be short answers. I'm just saying I know that these were basically ships that were kind of almost carbon copies. You know what I mean? So that's they, why they I know. Are, they are. But yeah, are. just, just no. w- let us know some of the differences. Yeah, I mean, I think my experience is a bit unique, and I can talk about it. But I sailed over school, uh, school vacation in the Northeast. That was this kind of high school school vacation week, which added – to the experience and made it a very different cruise than maybe the week prior or the week after would have been. You're a brave um, man. You're a brave man. Uh, yeah, and I can talk uh, about that specifically because uh, uh, it wasn't my favorite cruise because of that. But I, I think when I compared the the getaway to the breakaway, they were very different in terms of crew in terms of itinerary and guests on board. So when I was on the breakaway in November, it was to Canada. It was at the end of the Canada season. uh, So it was a bit chilly. The pool deck wasn't as enjoyed uh, as much on that sailing. And it was a low, uh, low occupancy, low capacity sailing. So compare that to school vacation where Every bed had to have been filled on that ship. Uh, it was a very different experience. Now, the ships are, in some ways, a carbon, a carbon copy. Different names, obviously. You know how they, they do it with NCL at this point. But the layout in terms of what they offered on board was basically the same. Uh, there were a few bars that were switched out. You know, the breakaway has the... Uh, martini bar the getaway in place of the martini bar has the um mojito bar uh they call the uh, the bourbon bar on the getaway the sunset bar but same concept overall so in terms of the actual ship they they did compare um but the experience was different and we and it was not only because of the guests but i think it was also because of some of these changes that you know you've highlighted on your show and I think you, just staying, I guess, on the positive side of things for for the moment, um, you cruise a, a lot of times, mostly solo. And when you do, I think your approach to solo cruising is one that I think I'm going to try to adapt a little bit. And I think a lot of people try to adapt to it. Very rarely do we think of going on cruises. And of course, we all appreciate how hard the crew works. We all tip. We all, you know, pay them homage. Uh, it's exactly what they respect what they what they deserve we give them the respect and you know when you get off these ships you're always raving about the crew but you go it a little differently if i'm not mistaken part of your cruise experience is to kind of i guess do a little bit of crew immersion right you actually sit with them you have from that list you gave me you know their names you know where they're from and you make actual interaction with the crew a legitimate part of why you enjoy your cruise right yeah, I alluded to it in our first, uh, you know, in our in our first uh, podcast. But the crew to me is an essential part of my cruising experience and why I enjoy cruising. Uh, I think I did pay, you know, copy paste kind of the the uh, report that I had from a previous sailing and sent it to you because it it mentions uh, in my email um, specific crew members that obviously stood out to me uh, from the cruise. 
And I not only do I fill out those, you know, hero cards, and every cruise line has something like it. I, you know, they call it different things, but on board you can fill out a two sentence kind of blurb about, you know, a, a crew member that made, went the extra mile and made your cruise, uh, you know, special. And you can turn that into the front desk and and fine. I mean, they go they go where they need to go. Um, but I have such a strong relationship with Norwegian at this point that I have. Uh, I have the GM's uh, contact information uh, in many cases on the ships, and so I'll send a report. I mean, it's it takes a lot of time for me, and it's a it's a way for me to also debrief the crews, and I enjoy doing it. But I go into detail on every crew member that went the extra mile for me and made a difference, and I've actually heard uh, uh, of situations where. They'll print that out, my email, and post it in the crew, you know, area. And and crew members will reach out to me on Facebook and be like, "Hey, I, I saw you know your uh, the good things you said about me. You have no idea how much it means to me. Uh, you know, I appreciate it." So, uh, not only do I do that, but I go out of my way on board to connect with the crew, um, to to learn about them. I I'm taking down notes throughout the cruise and. I just I, I do that because I know it's important to them and it it doesn't just make me feel good but it also uh, allows me to look back on my cruise and say oh my gosh you know I remember when I was there and that person uh, you know w- went the extra mile and and I saw a few crew members actually on the getaway that I hadn't seen since the gem like many years ago like six years ago I didn't know they were going to be on the getaway and it's those moments where you see a crew member. And you recognize them, and, and in this case, I, I knew their name, and I remembered exactly who they were. Some cases, you see the face, and you're like, oh, I think I've seen them on a previous sailing. And, and sometimes they surprise you and say, hey, Ryan, like, uh, you know, I, I remember you from, uh, from the gem or the escape or whatnot. So, yeah, the crew for me is very important, um, and it's, it's part of my cruising experience. I mean, I cruise so frequently out of New York. Typically, we have the same ships you know, sailing out of New York this year is a bit different. Actually, we we've got like four or five different NCL ships uh, uh, sailing out of New York at different times. But they'll Amazon Prime things to my house, and like I'll bring it on board in my luggage. So I have that kind of relationship with some crew members, and um, and they appreciate it. I appreciate them, and it really does make for an awesome uh, cruise experience. I gotta say, I'll use a, a strong word here. And I'll just say that's honestly that's kind of inspiring. You know what I mean? Like to, and not only because you're doing such a good thing for them and they're so appreciative of it, you're also being selfish. You're enhancing your own experience. I mean, you're taking something that a lot of people kind of take for granted to a degree, and you're making it part of a, a, a talking point on you know what you ask. Some people talk about you know, okay, so how was the food? How was the ports? How was the weather? How was the service? No. You're talking about adding another component to that, which is making actual real friends, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the unspoken fact is that they're going to look out for me. At at Spice H2O, at a party, when the bar is packed, you know, they're going to say, hey, Ryan, you know, so uh, do I get things out of it? Yeah. Do I get special treatment? Maybe in some cases. I don't do it for that. I do it because... These people are such an important 
part of my life. When you do this 12 to 14 times a year, you, you look forward to having friends at sea. And, and it's a different kind of relationship than, you know, fellow solo cruisers and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really important to me. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you caught on that. I, I don't it. tell too many people uh, about that, but... <laughs> Well, you just told at least eight people right here. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> now, now it's out. Yeah. Word is out. Um, all right, so let's talk about this sailing on the getaway. So you're leaving out of New York on the getaway. And yeah, like you said, they, they're switching things up a little bit this year for Norwegian, right? You used the gem breakaway, gem breakaway, gem breakaway. What's going on over there now? I can speak to uh, the getaway specifically and, and some, some of the similarities that I saw firsthand uh, compared to some of the content that came out of the Vlogger cruise. But for sure, there were less staff members or crew members on the getaway than I would have expected to the point where sea days and you're familiar with that uh, pool deck, I know, because you've focused on the uh, <laughs> the layout and the aesthetics of it. But you know there's two bars in the middle there where the pool is. One was open. So on sea days, one was open. The other, it just made no sense to me as to why they wouldn't have the other one open. I could see the day after you leave New York or the day before you're arriving into New York, because of the weather, maybe you don't need both open. Like you have to go where the guests are going at the same time. You need to move your bartenders around and react to what the guests are expecting. But there was a packed pool deck and there was one bar, pool bar open. It made absolutely no sense to me. That bar was packed. So I went up to... Uh, the diner, the American diner, and that bar's open with a bartender. It's like no one else was there. I was the only person sitting at the bar, but I knew enough to do that uh, because it was during lunchtime and I got what I wanted. But um, it was a kind of uh, disaster on that pool deck for, for, for the sea days um, for people looking for a drink. And it was very obvious at all the bars uh, throughout the ship and uh, not so much the restaurants, but, but in the bars particularly, you could note that there were less staff um so i did see that and that was quite different from um 2022 on my uh norwegian ships yeah, yeah. the other thing is uh, the liquor the liquor was uh, we had mass like i mean major shortages i think we had bud light like someone would go up to ask for a beer the beer they had was bud light not the eight or nine options that they would typically have it, they had one option for guests um, and they kept saying, you know, we just come back from a 12 day cruise. Most of the ports were, um, not the U S so I guess they're, you know, they're limited as to what they can provision in, uh, non U S ports, I assume for financial reasons, but also logistical, uh, or industrial capabilities. And, and you need tractor trailer trucks full of fresh produce and, and, and supplies and liquor, et cetera. So this cruise was stopping, thankfully, in Port Canaveral. It was unique because we actually had an overnight in Port Canaveral. We almost had two full days in Port Canaveral. Um, so they were able to restock the ship. And from day three on, we had absolutely no problems with the stock. But the first one, two, and half of day three – it was slim pickings, and I felt bad for like. And I was telling people, first-time cruisers, that were really disappointed. I said, "Look, I hear you. 
I would be disappointed too. I know this is not the norm typically in my experience. And, uh, and they were much happier after we restocked in Port Canaveral. But that was also very obvious that there were shortages. Uh, I had heard from guests that I know uh, that I knew from the 12-day cruise prior to our cruise, they had ran out of like ketchup and butter, and we didn't see any of those uh, shortages in terms of the food, um, but the liquor especially, um, there were ma- uh, major shortages on board. Now, what you just said is a little alarming to me because, <laughs> no, like when you said – First time cruisers were disappointed because there's this theory, like a lot of the cruise lines, you know, did you hear back when Disney jumped into the cruise game or when Virgin Voyages jumped into the cruise game a little bit more and started spending a lot of advertising? Like you would think like the carnivals and the Norwegians out there would kind of be a little taken aback by that. Oh, you know what? They're coming into our Disney stick to your theme parks, Virgin stick to your airline and your music. No, they welcomed it. Because the scenario is is that these people are coming in and being very, very aggressive with marketing. So you're getting cruising as a whole is getting a lot more exposure on TV. So when Virgin Voyages runs a really slick ad, people don't realize that that's in a lot of ways getting people thinking about, oh, you know what? We haven't been on a cruise in a while. You know what? Go to Carnival. They, that helps Carnival in a way. You know what I'm saying? Um, but like the opposite takes effect to the industry as a whole when you get on a Norwegian cruise. And, and what's happening right now to me, uh, I know you're not supposed to assume, but I will. Uh, I'm guessing that they are a little bit out of, you know, low on money right now. Everybody is. And we know that and that's understandable. But they're probably trying to find that sweet spot. They're trying to figure out, okay, can we get away with ordering less? Can we do this? Can we? And then they realize they can't. And then, of course, yeah, they're gonna. Their intention is not to run out of things. Their intention is not to be that cheap. But it is probably to at least examine where that line is. And when you do that, you're probably gonna err on the make errors sometimes, and you may come up a little short. And that's probably what happened on this sailing. My point is, is that it's disappointing slash alarming because I hate to hear that new people coming on board and cruising and this is their first four year into cruising and they're getting a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. And you could say from the hills all you want. This is not how it usually is. This is but first impressions of first impression. So it's a little you don't want to lose people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Um for sure that you know whether they're first time cruisers or not or they can be assured that it won't happen again that's their experience in the moment and they're not uh, they're not getting what they expected and 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 yeah it's it's disappointing i don't want and, and that to, hurts that could hurt carnival that could hurt royal that could hurt oh, it cruising hurts cross, as well. cross line yeah cross line yeah I mean, and especially a week where it's school vacation, where you have teachers who may only be able to travel that week every year. You have families that are trying to make this maybe their once-a-year trip. For me, I brush it off. It's like, okay, I'm going to go on 10 other cruises. I'm, I am privileged to do that, right? So if I did the one or two a year and that was my experience, I would be really pissed. And, and maybe it is just, uh, isn't just an NCL issue. You would, you would think that, okay, cruising as a whole, maybe I didn't have the experience I wanted, so I'm not going to try it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to defend the cruise line, but you do see these ships move around a lot and, Maybe they're still getting acclimated to the U. Uh, the New York market. 
uh, in terms of their ordering and supply chain. And this cruise, I'm telling you, was ex- exceptionally packed. Yeah. I mean, there were the most pa- – I don't remember being on – one of these NCL big ships and have it being, uh, have it been that packed. So this was a full ship. Um, I don't want to defend them. Like, yeah, you sold these people a cruise, so you should be able to supply, um, what they need. But at the same time, maybe they, they went from longer sailings where they didn't need to provision as heavy. And now they, they just were caught in this, uh, in this sailing and weren't prepared. So I think, I mean, I work in supply chain. They need to get it they get, need to get it straight and and make sure that everybody on any cruise, any itinerary, any embarkation port is getting the experience that they bought. Yeah, no, I agree, hundred percent. It's like when the pandemic first ended and everything was coming back online, I was very vocal in saying, you know what, let these people run, let these cruise line executives, CEOs, whoever, let them run the freaking country because whatever they did to be able to have a complete industry shut down for two years and then be able to move things around, get creative and stay, stay alive, stay afloat. Uh, they, they, that's, I mean, that's a rabbit out of a hat, but I guess, you know, you're just seeing some of the, I guess, you know, and you have to be understanding and us as longtime cruisers, we have to be understanding. And if there's cruise shortages and things like that, you know, I, I, I yes, you, you don't like to see supply, you know, provisions taking a hit. And you don't like to see, let's just call it non-transparency. You don't like that either. Everything else I can live with. I don't like non-transparency when it comes to charges and things like that. I don't like, uh, you know, we should be able to have it get the things and things and things breaking things breaking and being out of service that's not acceptable either to me but let's talk about this cruise so getaway out of new york eight days it was supposed to go to port canaveral great stirrup k and bermuda uh so when did it start when what order was that was that i'm assuming canaveral was first right canaveral was first for a day and a half to two days you know it was an overnight and then we were going overnight it was supposed to be an overnight. Okay. Um, That's the first so, time I've ever heard. Have you ever heard of that before? I did. I actually was looking forward to it. I have a lot of friends in Orlando, and uh, and so one of my friends came out, and picked me up, and uh, we had a night out, and it was great. But yeah, um, I would imagine it would be phenomenal. I would love to do an overnight in Orlando. I have the same situation as you. I've I've lived there for a while, have some connections there, but like I just have never heard of uh, a cruise line doing an overnight in Orlando. It could have been the eighth day filler, you know, because this was an eight day cruise. Maybe that was the filler. Right. Okay. They didn't want to add another port. But yeah, I agree. I mean, all of the anthem. I've been on a lot of the Anthem of the Seas Bahamas trips out of New Jersey, and they'll do a day in Port Canaveral. And it's honestly like a 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. kind of thing. Uh, we don't get there until after lunch anyway. But I've never had – yeah, actually, this is the first cruise I've been on with an overnight in Port Canaveral. Right. And oh. then the, – uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. So that – so you had a good time. You hung out with some friends. Uh, you bas- what'd you do? You went into Orlando uh, proper or no? Um, we actually didn't. We didn't make it quite in there. We found a few cigar lounges on the way there. Oh, nice. And uh, we stopped, had a few cigars and drinks, and yeah, it was a good time. It's a tricky and port. In fact, in fact, I met him on a cruise. It's funny how 
I've got this network of friends. So yeah, it was great. I was on a cruise. Anytime I stop in Port Canaveral, I always text all my cruise friends in Florida and uh, see who can come out and meet me. That is awesome. It's one of those unique ports because it kind of, you know, it's a lot of times you think of ports either being destination ports or embarkation ports. Port Canaveral is absolutely both. And And a big, big shout out, another big shout out to Port Canaveral overtaking Miami as the busiest cruise terminal in the world. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. And it could be because, uh, you know, the, of this pattern of ships from the Northeast stopping there. Yep. I know Norwegian's doing it. Royal's doing it. All of their Bahamas uh, uh, week cruises out of the Northeast throughout the winter are stopping in Port Canaveral. Definitely, definitely. All right, so then good old Great Stirrup K, and what you see is what you get over there, huh? I had a great day. And dare I say, perfect day. I know it's a sister <laughs> island, but uh, okay, let's coin that. I, let's coin that great day at Stirrup K. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I have to tell you, Tommy, that was the highlight of my trip. I had never been to Great Stirrup K. Can you believe that? No, I cannot believe that. Are you serious? Yeah. So that was my first. I had been on a lot of trips that it was always canceled. That's the downfall of the of the tender uh, aspect to Great Stirrup K. But uh, but yeah, that was my first time to make it on the island. I've seen it from a distance and waved goodbye, but I I made it on the island, and it was if the weather was great. I actually, and this may be a tip for some of the listeners, but I booked a uh, a massage. I'm not typically a massage guy. Like I'm not doing that on the cruise ship. Um, but it was my ticket into Silver Cove. A lot of people don't realize this. You don't need to book a cabana to get into the Silver Cove Cove area. You can book a spa treatment and they have a spa. It's a legit spa. Whirlpools, you know, chairs, building. Uh, it's not like your tent on the beach type of thing. Uh, in in Silver Cove. So I got that was my ticket into Silver Cove. I started the day at eight thirty in the morning with a massage next to the ocean, uh, and then I had VIP access to Silver Cove for the day, and it did not disappoint. I, I don't know that I will ever visit. Great Stirrup K again without booking the massage because it was it was I had a lot of pure cruise bliss uh, that day in Silver Cove. Wait, so what's Silver Cove? Silver Cove is this exclusive area of the island. They shuttle you out there, and they have they call them cabanas. It's actually it's amazing to me. These are like houses. They've got full bedrooms. Uh, on-demand movies, a full bath, a living room. You can live in these what they call cabanas in Silver Cove. I don't know. When they opened Silver Cove, there was a lot of content creators going there and touring the area. And they were saying, you know, maybe they're going to do overnights in Great Stirrup K and let guests spend the night in these cabanas because they're like houses. I mean, I live in the Bronx and I, this cabana probably put my apartment to shame. So it's an exclusive area of the Island. You can think of it as the Cocoa beach club concept on perfect day. Um, you know, so you've got your own restaurant, your own bars, uh, your own beach. And I booked the Mandara spa appointment and I had access to that area. And it was great. I had the one of the best lunches on any uh, any cruise line, a private island. 
Um, there was a Peroni bar. It was all Italian-themed. I loved it. There was a Moet Chandon champagne bar right near the water um, where I was drinking these, like, champagne, vodka, hybrid cocktails, and it was off the charts. Wow. It was a great, great day. I got to I gotta check into that. That sounds awesome. You know what I mean? Because you think of Great Stirrup K, you just – I don't know. I, I always think of it as just a slab of land. Beautiful, gorgeous, absolutely. I mean, I love the Bacardi bar over there. That can kind of get a little, get, you know, that can get pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, yeah. On my way out, I was looking at the rest of the island. And I did. I walked by the Bacardi bar, and I think there's a, um, what is the? It's Calique. Is that the beer? Yeah, they have some Calique yeah. there, and then there's They've a, got a, another bar, and there, then they yeah. have like a Tequila Patron bar, bar too, right? Yeah. I think. yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, so I mean, I've never experienced that. So that's why my highlight was due to Silver Cove, <laughs> but I haven't experienced the rest of the island. So I'll have to do that at some point. But but I had a premiere, you know, those that know the Haven. It was that kind of experience on land. It, it was it was just phenomenal. Okay, so that's a great. That's the ultimate takeaway right there on that. I I didn't know about that particular, I guess, island within an island experience. That's what I was going to say. Is it a little bit yep. like the Cocoa Beach Club? But your tip is that you book a massage, you're in. These cabanas are affordable if you're traveling with a group. So I, let's say the cabana's a thousand dollars, but you can get eight people entry into Silver Cove. Whether or not the eight people are congregating at the cabana or spread out on the beach, fine. But you could potentially split a thousand dollar bill eight ways and have access. Uh, but as a solo traveler, I obviously was not going to overindulge in a cabana so i booked let's say a 220 dollar massage and it was by the way a great experience <laughs> i had a my own hot tub in right near the ocean secluded i mean literally my own hot tub it was great uh, so i paid like 220 dollars. i had that upscale lunch and access to silver cove when i was ready to go back to the ship they uh, took me by golf cart right back to the tender. I mean, it was just a <laughs> premier experience. Yeah, beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So then, from there, what was supposed to happen was we were supposed to go to Bermuda. What? Where? What? How? Where did that go awry? Yeah, here's where it gets a bit controversial. <laughs> we we know you like that sometimes, right, Tommy? Oh, I know we where you. I know where to, you're going to go. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we were supposed to go to Bermuda, and I was in the Facebook group. Pre-cruise, someone had leaked a crew member schedule. And they have a rolling schedule, by the way. They don't have, you know, we've got our itinerary for our cruise. They have a calendar, obviously. They're not getting off the ship after our cruise. So they've got a rolling calendar of ports and of their itinerary throughout multiple cruises. Someone on board the 12-day cruise had got uh, a view at that schedule. Uh, whether or not they should have, I don't know. But they posted it to the Facebook group. Wow. And it showed that Bermuda was replaced with Miami. This was before the cruise. That's juicy. So That's there. juicy right there. Oh, I love it. So so we get to the port, and I've been on cruise. Actually, you and I were on the gem. Remember, we showed up that day and in New York City, and they handed out itinerary change notices as soon as you entered the uh, terminal? Yes. You may not. Yep. But, yeah. Yeah, so I've had that experience. So I'm like, okay, maybe they changed Bermuda 
and we're going to show up at the terminal and fine. I mean, it's February. I never was excited about going to Bermuda in February. I've been to Bermuda so many times. I knew February. I'm not going to be at the beach. I may not have even got off because we were there from like, uh, it was like a 10 a.m. to a 4 p.m. kind of visit. I mean, you can't do much. And, and so I never really was excited about Bermuda. I wanted to stay in the warmer climate anyway. So the, the announcement came out in Port Canaveral. So we had gone through the first few days of the cruise. We're in Port Canaveral, uh, and they announce, due to weather conditions, we will not be visiting Bermuda. We will be uh, making a stop in Miami after Great Stirrup K. Everybody was disappointed. You felt it on the ship. You felt it in everyone's conversations. Families that had booked this trip uh, to go to Bermuda, that was one of their bucket list places. You know, I kept, again, I, what do I know? I'm just, you know, uh, uh, no one cares what I think sometimes. So it's like, I was like, uh, no, the, it's going to be 60 degrees. You didn't want to go there anyway. Book a cruise to Bermuda. Now, whether or not they appreciated that, yeah. I don't know. But they were still disappointed at the end of the day. This was a cruise, and the itinerary name itself was Eight Days Bahamas and Bermuda. At this point, now, at, at this point, they probably think you're a plant. They probably think Norwegian put you there <laughs> to try to right. talk everybody off the cliff. I know, I know. You know, actually, going back to Great Stirrup K, I was on the tender going back to the ship, and people were complaining so much on this cruise. Some of it was justified. Some of it was just outright ridiculous. Like, I was sitting next to this miserable woman. I apologize if she's listening. No, it's all right. uh, I doubt she is. By yeah. the way. She was on the tender going back to, to the getaway from Great Stirrup K, and she was complaining about the island and saying, you know, I where's the local bohemian food? I just had a cheeseburger at the buffet. I was expecting conch fritters. And I'm like, like, those kind of complaints to me, I just discredit because you didn't do your research. Like, this is a private island. Yes, it's branded as the Bahamas, but you're not going to get – local culture, local cuisine, maybe that's a recommendation that we can make to the cruise lines to make it more uh, of a cultural experience. But anyway, that w those were the kind of complaints that I got throughout the cruise. So some I, some I understood and some I just kind of in one year out the other. Uh, so uh, a lot of people were complaining about the missed, missed call to Bermuda and, you know, whether, whether or not they were happy to stay in a warmer climate. I don't know. But they booked the cruise knowing they were going to go to Bermuda. The other controversial piece is that I had booked this cruise maybe a year and a half in advance. Several months ago, they replaced Bermuda with Miami. I think enough people complained about the itinerary change that two weeks later, they added Bermuda back. So from six months prior to cruise, you could argue, there was already this kind of wishy-washy Bermuda situation. So it was really interesting that when we got to Port Canaveral, they said due to weather and weight and, and sea conditions, we were not going to go to Bermuda. Um, the funny thing is, and maybe it's not funny because I, I don't want to, I may be insinuating something and I really love NCL and I don't want to make that assumption, but subsequent cruises that had the same itinerary had Bermuda canceled. I don't want to think that they're false advertising, getting the bookings for Bermuda cruise and intentionally canceling the Bermuda port of call. But in reality, many of the cruises have had Bermuda canceled. So take with that what you, what you wish, but it was very controversial. I was happy to go to Miami. 
<clears throat> by the way, the other element was because we had made call in a non-U.S. port, when we got to Miami, <laughs> it just gets better and better, we had to disembark the vessel. I had a day in Miami planned. In fact, when the leaked crew schedule made it to Facebook, I had already put together a list of things I wanted to do in Miami. Because <laughs> you knew you were going I to Miami. It. That's great. I knew I was going to Miami, yeah. Tommy. So I had a list of breweries, and, and I was ready. So I got off the ship that morning as soon as I could and made a day of it. Well, those that didn't want to go into Miami, some were still pissed off and, and just out of a uh, – to make a statement that you know they didn't want to go into Miami. Fine. So – Everybody had to go through customs in Miami. They had to disembark the whole ship, clear it through customs. Everybody waited in the terminal, and then you could back, get back and embark the ship. So for several hours, this process was occurring, and you could compare it to an embarkation day process. I, I, it was amazing to me that that was like the cherry on top. So you know what's people. crazy like, about this? this? This is what's crazy about this. R Ryan, you're giving us actual cruise news here. Like this is like, uh, I don't know how this didn't hit like, you know, whether a cruise industry news or come across Tony or Doug's desk or whatever. Like this is actual, this is an actual story. Like <laughs> it is, it's a legitimate cruise news story. And I guess they just, they just tactfully got it under the radar somehow it's that's insane yeah. bro that is insane. yeah so everyone had to disembark and go through customs proof of passport or, or birth certificate you know whatever got, got you on the ship and you waited to re-embark uh, you know the ship you, you had a number when they called your number you got back on now i was shielded from all of that i had a great day in miami i actually had a phenomenal day and and i felt bad for all of the guests that were waiting in the terminal because of this process they said because we made call outside of the u.s and then went back to the u.s we had to do that whether or not i mean i don't know if that's what uh, what happens on it in every situation but we had to what made it better though is when we got back to new york we just got off the ship there was no customs no anything because we had already done it in miami Oh, okay. But, yeah. well, that's pretty. Yeah, I'm sure that was a legitimate thing they had to do. I'm sure there was no foul play in terms of that. But just the yeah. fact that you had to do it is just funny. In the middle of your yeah. trip, and yeah. it was just an inconvenience. So I, I again, maybe I was planted by NCL, but I encouraged everyone. <laughs> you know, it's like guys, you have to sit in a terminal for three hours. Go have a drink somewhere. Go. Yeah. Miami is a great city. Go have fun in Miami. I didn't have to deal with any of that, um, and I had a great day. I went to Wynwood, which is a neighborhood in Miami uh, with a lot of graffiti art yep. and yep. Uh, really cultural. And I went to a museum called Super Blue, which is now a new highlight in Miami. I'm not much of a museum, art museum kind of person, but it was this what they call like experiential or immersive art exhibits where you were in the art kind of feeling really um yeah it was i might, I might you gotta, you gotta tell me about that i might do this i might do it tomorrow it, it's a great place like there was one exhibit you had to put like shoe coverings on because you were stepping in the art kind of thing it was it was pretty cool uh one of my favorite exhibits was this light bulb room where there's these light bulbs suspended from the ceiling and there's a heartbeat sensor where you people went one by one and it recognized your heartbeat and all the lights flickered to your heartbeat. It was just kind of cool. You, you felt part of the art 
and uh, as an engineer, I just appreciated the uh, the electricity kind of component to the art. So I did that, and then I went on a little pub crawl and went to three different breweries and um, had a great time. I had a really ex- interesting experience at a place called Wakefield Brewing Company where um, there was kind of this perfect group of people by chance. We all met there, and people started buying these high-end beers and saying, open it up, let everyone try it. So like everybody in the place was taking their turn buying a beer and letting everybody sample it in the, in the brewery. So we all became friends over the course of two hours. And I talked to this guy from Trinidad. He was just flew back from Carnival uh, down there and he had made a stop in Miami intentionally to come to this brewing company before heading back to Virginia. There were some other folks from, from the getaway um, that I met at the brewery and, and they, two of them split a $350 beer and they let me try it. And I don't know much about barrel-aged imperial stouts, but apparently this brewery is known for it kind of worldwide. And they spent $350 on a beer and gave me a glass. And I was so appreciative. It's like, these are the kind of stories that you get from a cruise. And this is what makes me so excited about traveling because you, you just, you're in a circumstance, you were put there, um, maybe not by your choice and and you meet people and you make the most out of it. And I just had a great day in Miami and, uh, and yeah, that was the last port that we, uh, that we stopped in for that cruise. I got to get some, uh, uh, I'll talk offline when you get some recommendations. Cause I'm definitely going to check, I'm going to check all those things out there. Right. And basically I can, I can get there fairly easily, but that is, uh, that's I'll awesome. send you my Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, even better. But like that's to me, that's insane. Like, uh, can you imagine? Again, no offense, I'm a New Yorker, born and raised. I know my people. I can see it too. The stubbornness of them, just like, well, and I'm not getting off the ship. Like you're showing somebody else. You know, you like you. <laughs> Like like Norwegian ultimately is going to care that you're protesting the fact that you can't go to Bermuda uh, by by staying on the ship in Miami or whatever in the terminal for three hours. It's just a freaking joke. It's hysterical. But I don't yeah, know. You had to see people in their pajamas. They had no idea. And by the way, they sent letters to the room the night before. I mean, I, I'm the type of traveler that takes notice of those things. I can understand why some people are like, I'm on vacation. Don't bother me with all this nonsense. But people are banging on the doors. I mean, because you had to get everybody off the ship for customs <laughs> reasons. So you had people on their balcony. Everybody's in the terminal. And, and it's funny, these Facebook pages, like I would never take pictures of other people and post them. I just, to me, it's a privacy issue and, yeah. and, and it's a line I don't want to cross. Like people were shaming other passengers, like taking pictures of them on their balcony saying like, get the hell off the ship. They won't let us back on <laughs> until everybody's uh, off the ship and it's been cleared. So you had people, you know, crew members were getting people out of their rooms and they're in their pajamas hung over from the night before and, and being brought into the terminal. It was, it was sad, but I made the most of it. I avoided the whole thing. I'm wondering if that's, uh, you know, something that just happens. Like the crew is, might be used to that. Cause that's like, that doesn't sound like it's a one-off, you know, it sounds like what you said is probably correct where, you know, they just, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a fuel thing? I don't know what the situation is. A port charge thing? I don't know. Because well, let me ask you that. Did they did they return the port charges to you? To Bermuda? I mean, it was kind of a wash. Doesn't Miami have port charges? I don't know. Well, 
because it was replaced, you know. So it's, it's domestic, maybe people though, right? owed a few dollars. I wasn't going to wait and guest services. Long, right. But. Of course, of course. No, I know. But that's just interesting. I don't know if Bermuda and Miami would have the same poor charges if you're talking about something that's you know domestic. Yeah, they whatever, may not maybe. have. Um, they may not have. But I I was surprised by it. I. I don't think they would have intentionally done something out of the process to to irritate people, but I want to say that I've been on cruises that have made call in a, a non-U.S. port, returned to a U.S. port, and then back to their originating U.S. port, and I don't know that I had to do that. Like I was on a Bermuda cruise that, for whatever reason, we stopped in Bar Harbor on the way back to Boston it was like i don't know that was branded as like a new england and bermuda cruise you know right. they do what they can to make these itineraries uh, unique and so i want to say i mean we didn't have, that was a tender port we didn't have to do any sort of customs before and that was our return to the u.s and then back to boston so i don't know to me it's like a legal question and i yeah, didn't get too yeah. hung up on it but no i got you but i mean and again, if you told me I'm on a cruise and I've never been to Bermuda, I've still never been to Bermuda. But if you told me I'm on this ship and you told me, hey, Bermuda's out, Miami's in, and I freaking live an hour away from Miami, I might not be that mad. I really might not have been that mad. I, I mean, I always wonder why Miami is not more of a if you're gonna if you're gonna stop at Port Canaveral, and there's nothing wrong with Port Canaveral. I know you have the Disney thing and all that stuff. You have a lot of things, you, but you know. Miami's an attractive to me as a as a port of call stop. I, I I would like to see more stops at Miami. I would not be thrown, especially in February. I wouldn't be throwing a temper tantrum for Miami over Bermuda in February. No, I was excited about it. Yeah. Um. All right. So, anything else? Any any uh, wrap up thoughts about this cruise? Any observations? Any other? Uh, I guess um, issues that of note on this eight day cruise on the uh, getaway. Yeah. I mean, maybe I can talk about some of the things that were, that I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so million dollar quartet, I've seen it before, but that, um, that was, I forgot how great of a show that is. And I, I really like choir man. When we talk about uh, Norwegian shows, uh, that's always a great show. You go up on stage and, and pour a, a pint of beer before the show and, and get back to your seat. That That's always been a really cool show for, for me. Um, but million dollar quartet was just great. Uh, I saw it twice on the sailing. Um, so the entertainment was still, I, I don't, I didn't see any changes to entertainment. You know, you read about kinky boots. I think that's what kind of made it in the, in the headlines, but you, I was really worried about entertainment cuts and, really you know you heard about it but what did it actually mean on board and we still had everything we had um sid norman's we had the pianos uh you know comedy we had it all and it was a really great entertaining cruise sid norman's that's all that's like you know i that's one of my favorite venues on any cruise ship um and i got so used to these ships uh that weren't crowded uh during the return and i always had a seat in sid norman's and then uh, i was reminded you know about the line to get into sid norman's and in this cruise i went once because i i wasn't gonna line up an hour before the show and and i'm just i'm on 
I'm trying to relax. I'm not going to do that. And I've seen them many times before, but um, they need to do something with that. I don't know. I think it'll lose its touch if they brought it to the theater, yeah. um, which is what most people suggest they do. But um, I, I like the idea of it being this small, intimate setting. Uh, and like you're in a rock club, like in the like early days of a band, like right, a, exactly. So that's the draw. That, that's the cool. That's the draw. But at the same time, like there's so much demand for it that it it that is another point that people are are you know irritated about that in Shanghai's noodle bar. It's like I have to line up an hour and a half before you open. You know, to get a seat. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I don't. Back I, don't to know the, that, I don't know that we can avoid that. The Sid and Norman's thing. How many shows do they do? Can they just kind of like layer the shows a little bit more? Or yeah, they probably could. I mean, you got to see what's in their contract as entertainers. But I think out of the eight day cruise, they may have played five nights, and some nights was one long show with maybe like a fifteen minute break in between. Um. And uh, some nights there were two like sets with a longer break in between, and then you've got the one night that's the rumors tribute. So they do that twice, um, but it was packed. I mean, you had people that loved it the first time; they stayed for the second. Yeah, one. it's like you just yeah. heard all the same songs, you know. And then people are disappointed when they can't get a seat. It's like the same people that just heard it. I don't blame them. It's to me that's always been a highlight of of Norwegian entertainment. I hope they don't get rid of that. I think it's so special to get that rock experience uh, on a cruise ship. And I, I've done the music hall. I've done, you know, you, you, they all kind of have their own rock kind of entertainment. But to me, Norwegian outshines everyone with that Sid Norman's concept. So I just felt bad that not everyone could experience it. Yeah, no, it, um, it, it was, that's, I didn't, I didn't experience it. And, um, and that's why, because every time I went by, yes, you're probably right. If I'm, if I would have prioritized it a little bit higher, I probably would have been able to. But you know, I was hoping it would be something where you could just kind of pop in at your leisure. But no, you're right. It's not that. It's it's in demand, and you got to make it your business to get yourself a seat. Yeah. the The other uh, concept that I think I had always not really paid much attention to, but it's that sail and sustain bar and program you could argue but i was going there every day to try the drink of the day and i don't know why i hadn't done that before um i always used it as sort of okay it's another outdoor bar on the waterfront um but the daily sort of it's a hit or miss by the way like half of them i really didn't like and didn't order another one half of them i was like wow i would have never tried that had norwegian not come up with it as part of this program and i had a few and i was pleasantly surprised by it so uh, the sale and sustain bar i was there every day and i think it's it can be underrated um um so i encourage people on their next ncl cruise to to really check out those sale and sustain cocktails nice the, nice. the other thing was the last point I'll make is, you know, and, and it's kind of in response to some of the the content that came out of the Vlogger cruise, but it's being a sav this savvy cruiser. And I don't want to pick on you, but, you know, I think you mentioned the Internet um, cost and like kind of this free at sea taking a shot at, at, at Frank Del Rio. By the way, I think like the, it's so funny, the Frank, Frank Del Rio <laughs> 
content. It's like he's going to show up at your house one day, one day in a black SUV or something. So you better, oh yeah, better watch out. He, Put it out there. If I go missing, like this, if I go missing, yeah. I want, I want, I want to know where Frank Del Rio is. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the perfect name, the perfect way of carrying himself. He's like a, a mobster almost. Kind oh of, no, I've always called him. I've always called him the Scarface of the crew CEOs. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I mean, and and even Tony, I mean, shout out to Tony Lottolita Loca, but he mentioned his Teppanyaki meal. I actually, I actually have not heard of that. What is what is what did you? Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> Tony. Oh, to- You're- Tony. I'll have to check him out. Yeah, Tony. Just should. kidding, buddy. Shout out to Tony. <laughs> so uh, his Teppanyaki meal, I think it was pretty pricey on that cruise. He did he did a, a video about like kind of the his bill breakdown, and so. If you're if you know you're going to go, and I'm speaking specifically to to Norwegian, if you know you're going to try, and some of it you don't know, it's on the fly. I get it. Um, but if you know you're going to want to try a specialty dining restaurant, if you know you're going to want to try uh, or buy uh, Wi-Fi, you got to do this stuff pre-cruise because it's significantly discounted um, versus the onboard pricing. Now you could argue, why is it not more in line, you know, on board? And maybe I'm not a planner and they're trying to take advantage of me and, and, uh, and make me pay, uh, you know, a ridiculous price for something. But, you know, I think they still do the three night specialty dining for nine, $99. Right. So like, that's what I do. And I get specialty, like I could go to Teppanyaki for $33, you know, with that, that sort of concept of the pre-cruise sales and pre-cruise bu- uh, bundles. Okay, um, so so sale, so you're like, doing that. So you what you're what you're saying is that you know the the same way that they'll charge you four hundred dollars a night for the uh, drink package, or you can just get the free at sea. I, I exaggerated on the four hundred, sure, but you know, sure. like you're basically they're going to overcharge the crap out of you, but they're basically just hey, avoid that, get the free at sea, get the free, you know, because I did. I did avoid the free at sea dining and really that was, of course that was dumb in the moment, but I figured, I don't know what the tip was on that 40, 50 bucks. I I, I didn't think I was going to need any uh, specialty dining, but I didn't, I also had I known that if I did want to opt for the specialty dining, that they would charge me land-based prices because I, I was in a similar situation with Tony in La Bistro. Because yes, I went that night with uh, Tiffany, the cruising diva, and you know she had the package, and I was like, okay, I'll just pay whatever you know, whether it's a thirty-dollar cover charge or whether it's a la carte, you know, twelve, fifteen dollars an item. I'll just do that. No, here's your bill. Nine, uh, 70 bucks plus you know $15 tip 85 bucks I was kind of thrown back by that similar scenario in the diner where you know you're paying you know like $15 for for a chicken sandwich and stuff like that but I guess that's true if I would have known that I would have but I didn't know that you know what I mean I didn't know yeah. and uh I figured worse, and that's you know, maybe the point I'm I'm making yeah, yeah. because I what they want to do is is typically what they see by the way is pre-cruise sailing uh sales are higher than onboard sales typically so when people get on their on, on the cruise the average guest is actually going to try to avoid paying extra after they've already paid you know for their trip so they try to drive and you see it in their email strategy their marketing strategy pre-cruise you know 80 days to your cruise check out our cruising planner consider these shore excursions so they really try to drive sales pre-cruise and i think it's a money maker for them so uh, no they throw that they throw that term around a lot they want that fresh wallet as they call it yeah 
Yeah. So in this case, I bought the upgraded free at sea. So I, that was the first for me that I actually purchased the upgraded free at sea. So not only did I pay the, the gratuities associated with the normal free at sea, but for an eight day cruise, I paid $336 extra for unlimited Wi-Fi, the upgraded drink package and two extra nights in a specialty dining. Um, so for $336, there's a lot of value there. I had, you know, we talk about the water and I agree with you, Tommy, no idea why they don't include water, but I got as much Aquapon and Pellegrino as I wanted. Much I got card, the Starbucks. Much, card, much cardboard water as you could drink. <laughs> no, no, no cardboard. Really? No, all glass. Well, yeah, because okay. I, I drank the Aquapon. I didn't want the whatever they call their water, their branded water in the in the carton. I'm not gotcha. a carton guy. I'll okay. agree with you there. Um, Starbucks. I had bottles of wine at dinner. I had, I was, I was overindulging when it came to the drink package. I, I was drinking Macallan, Quest, Terra, uh, Enigma. I mean, I think the Enigma sticker price was $60 a shot. And I would sit at the sunset bar and just pound them to be honest with you. So the $336, that that's a value proposition as much as we hate to, the free at sea and maybe the, uh, you know, the hidden terms and conditions. I got the most out of that package. And so, so that's anywhere I, I went. So that's where you're yeah. at. Where we're at with Norwegian basically right now is that, and this is what upsets me a little bit about them because you can get to a certain degree of value. You can avoid the whole nickel and diming thing. You can get to a place on your cruise where you'll enjoy yourself. Kind of like, I guess you'll get that worry free experience, but, you just have to kind of subscribe to the upgrades, which I'm not saying it's not worth it. It's the the value, like you said, is still there. But when they dangle you, when they dangle this bargain basement price at you, I think that's where uh, a little bit of the disconnect comes. You know what I mean? Oh, I can get this. Yep. I can get on for this. That's yeah, it. it's your, it's your, it's another consumer consumer brand. I mean, we just have to as consumers look through some of that. Yep. BS, and I think uh, that's why I started with you know be a savvy cruiser because I I'm at a point now where I can get everything that I need from the cruise experience, have an awesome time on Norwegian still, and I don't have a bill at the end of the cruise. So uh, I would encourage people to check out uh, these sort of combo bundled options pre-cruise and and try to book as much as you can before uh, in line with what you expect you know so there's things that are out of our control and i started the show with that you know yeah i i had a lot of complaints on this cruise it was not my favorite cruise by far um I'm, i don't think i'll ever go uh president's day week again mm -hmm. <laughs> that's how strongly i am about that so yeah. uh there were kids i mean yeah we could talk a, a whole nother show about it but <laughs> the kids, the kids who, were crazy yeah. i mean ding dong ditches through and running through the hallway and standing on the sitting on the staircase you know blocking the way and, and just and then the teachers were boozing it up the whole week so you knew who the <laughs> teachers were yeah oh very so, nice well i mean yeah. listen you talked to me off a little bit of a i really think you might be a plant you got me you got me like uh, uh looking at norwegian with a little bit more of a forgiving eye you know it, it does make sense though what you're saying makes sense you know i guess the key the takeaway is guys norwegian's gonna throw out some insane pricing at you they're gonna throw out the free at sea ultimately 
understand that you pre- that the, it's not going to be as sexy as it looks price wise up front. But if you do, like you said, be a savvy cruiser, be an educated cruiser. Look behind, look in the fine print. Set yourself up, plan in advance, and you can get plenty of value from your Norwegian cruise and really be in a position to just kind of enjoy it. And like you just said, we all, we don't want that bill at the end. Exactly. I told you I could talk you, uh, t- talk a lot about this. Dude, trip you killed it. Sure. You killed it again. <laughs> and you know what? The first, uh, appearance was great. And I think, uh, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of great feedback on this one too. Ryan, I really, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. It was awesome to reconnect. Boat drinks. Boat drinks. Boat drinks.